You have your Bible, turn to Joshua chapter 6. In Joshua chapter 6, we see the battle of Jericho where Joshua and the children of Israel went up against Jericho. And Jericho was a highly fortified city. And when they spoiled that city after it had been conquered, all the valuable things were supposed to go into the treasury of the Lord. But we quickly find in chapter 7 and verse 1 that the children of Israel committed trespass against the accursed thing. I believe that there are several similarities between Old Testament Israel and our country today. Both have been tremendously blessed by God. We certainly see the blessings in the Old Testament with the children of Israel, how they were blessed by God. And I believe that when we look at our nation, we can see that it's also been tremendously blessed. I don't believe there's another country on the face of this earth that has been as blessed as America. Both have faced defeat by turning away from God. We see the price that Israel paid. We'll see the price that we will pay and are paying when we've turned away from God. I believe that both nations, Old Testament Israel and our nation itself, has been a friend, has had a friend in God. Both nations had enemies that wanted to be that wanted them to be destroyed, and our nation has enemies that wants to destroy us. We've been talking about sin for the last couple of weeks. We first talked about the pandemic of sin. How that sin has... Well, it's all over the world. And how it has affected many people. Last Sunday, we looked at the three things that sin will always do. And we need to remember that sin is something that we want to avoid. But I also believe that our nation has a problem with sin and that it's partly our fault. And we'll talk about that this morning as we go through this lesson. But as we've seen in chapter 6, Joshua and his men took the city of Jericho when they did exactly what God told them to do. But in verse 19, as it tells us in chapter 6, but all the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so the spoils from Jericho were to be placed in the treasury of the Lord. And as I mentioned there in verse 1, we find that the children of Israel committed a trespass of the accursed thing. Achan had taken that accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. In other words, God was upset because of the actions of one person. And sometimes we wonder how can one person cause such pain for a nation. But I think that as we go through this lesson, hopefully we will see that it wasn't just Achan's sin that was the problem, but it was also the problem of the children of Israel. Anytime you steal from God, there's going to be a problem. You're not going to get away with it. 
There may be things that you can take uh, from your neighbor or from a store or whatever, and someone may not see you and you think you've gotten away with it, but you never get away with it with God because God always sees everything. And there was no different with Achan. In Joshua chapter 7 and verse 21, when Achan is confronted by Joshua about what had taken place, this is what he says. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and two hundred shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. Like many sins, he saw it, he coveted, he desired it, He took it, and then he hid it. He knew what he did was wrong, or he would not have hid it in his tent. And I've always wondered about the wisdom that he had. What was was going through his mind? He takes a garment that looks like it's from Babylon, and what's he going to do? Is he going to wear it? Where's he going to wear it among the children of Israel where someone's not going to say, where did you get that? Is he going to frame it, you know, like some people do a jersey? Is he going to frame it hanging on the wall in his tent and say, look what I got, what I found? No. But that just goes to show you when you allow sin in your life, sometimes you're not using your brain like you should. And so in Joshua 7 we find that the children of Israel are preparing to take the city of Ai. Ai is not a walled city like Jericho. Ai is just a little small town, small city. Joshua sends scouts out to check the city, and they come back, and this is what they say in verse 3 of chapter 7. Let not all the people go up, but let about three, two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So in verse 4, about 3,000 men went up to Ai to take the city. But they soon realized that God's not with them. Something was different. Up to that point, God had been fighting for them and giving them the victories. But on that day, something was different. On that day... They didn't have a great victory like they had in Jericho. On that day, it looks like about 36 men were killed. And the rest of that 3,000 or about 3,000 people fled. They ran. And the name of God was disgraced among the nations because of what had transpired on that occasion. Now, why did all of that happen? Because there was sin in their camp. There was sin in the nation of Israel. And this sin had two parts. The first part of that sin was a personal sin. It's the sin of Achan, what Achan had done. He saw a garment. He saw the silver. He saw the wedge of gold. He desired them, coveted them, and then he took those items and he hid them in his tent. So there was desire, then the deed, and then the deception. It happened that way with David and Bathsheba. He saw her. He wanted her. He sent for her. And then he tried to cover it up. 
And the same thing happens with you and me. That sometimes we see things, we want it, we desire it, we get it, and then we have guilt. And we try to hide it from other people. And so we see the personal guilt that Achan had. But there was also a national or a collective guilt. And that's what I want to focus on today. The entire nation of Israel bore some responsibility in what had taken place. In verse 1, it tells us that the children of Israel committed a trespass. In chapter 11, it says Israel hath sinned. Why? What did they do that caused this problem? It was Achan that did it. Why wasn't Achan the only one that was punished? Why did the children of Israel also have to be punished for what had taken place? And I believe the answer is this. If Israel had been right with God, they could have prevented what happened at Ai. And we, the people of God, are in some sense responsible for the sins of our country. I'm talking about collective guilt. Why has America become an immoral nation? I believe the answer is because of our apathy. We sit back and we really don't take any action. We don't go out and do something. We just sit back and we've let it happen over and over and over and been quiet. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Brethren, we as God's people are supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. We're supposed to go out into the world and let the world see that there's something different about us. And we need to be encouraging people to do the right thing. To serve God. To look to God for the answer. And sometimes we are negligent in that area of our lives. We're not the salt. We go out into the world and we want to blend in with the world. We want to talk like the world, act like the world, go to the same places that the world goes to, do all the things that the world does, but yet we still want to call ourselves Christians. And it's almost like we use God as an insurance policy. That when we need Him, we go to Him. But the rest of the time, we want everyone else to like us. We're afraid that we're going to offend someone when we say, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is a sin. And so we don't let our light shine. We don't let that light that's supposed to radiate the truth of God's Word out into the world, we don't let that light shine like we should. We need to realize that we are the salt of the earth. We're, the, we're, we're what preserves the morality. But unfortunately, sometimes the morals of the church aren't any better than the morals in the world. In Second Chronicles chapter seven and verse fourteen. God said, If My people, which are called by My name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. That was written to the children of Israel. Do those words apply to us today? Is that promise something that is there for us also? You see, the children of Israel in the Old Testament were God's chosen people. Israel today is not God's chosen people. But the Israel of the Old Testament were God's chosen people. They were chosen for a purpose. As a nation, we are not God's chosen people. But listen to what Peter said in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. And this is why I believe that 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 is something that will help us today. Because in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Now I know on that occasion he's talking to Cornelius, or talking about Cornelius. And we realize that anyone that does what God tells them to do can be righteous. We are doing what God wants us to do. And as a nation, the more people that are living a righteous, godly life according to God's will makes a nation a stronger, better nation. In Psalms chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. With some of the passages that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, Namely, in Romans chapter 1, we can see where people forgot God. They, uh, they knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God. And so they neglected Him. We see that in our country today. We see that in our lives where we neglect God. And we forget where all the blessings come from. We forget that we need God. What kind of country can we expect God to bless if we forget who He is? and how He's blessed us. And the same is true with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Many times, over and over and over, they forget what God had done for them. A great nation can survive many challenges. It can survive financial crisis. It can survive political crisis. But no nation can survive a moral or spiritual collapse. The Roman Empire is a classic example. When Gibbons wrote the history of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, he gave five contributing factors to the fall of Rome. The rise, the rapid increase of divorce, with the undermining of the sanctity of the home, which is the basis for society. Higher and higher taxes. Spending money on bread and celebration. The mad craze for pleasure. Sports becoming every year more exciting and more brutal. The building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy is within the corruption of the people. The decline or the decay of religion. Faith fading into a mere form losing touch with life and becoming helpless to guide it. Those five things contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire. Does that sound like us? Does those things sound like they're happening today? 
undermining the home, higher and higher taxes, gigantic arm armaments, the decline of religion, the White House, the State House, the Courthouse, all of these begin with the Church House, which is made up of your house and my house. In the year 2000, you might remember Columbine High School where they had the shooting. The, the shock and surprise that people had on their minds. I still remember the words that Paul Harvey said about that occasion. I've had them on my computer for a long time. This is what he said. This is Paul Harvey. How can we blame it all on guns? For the life of me, I can't understand what could have gone wrong in Littleton, Colorado. If only the parents had kept their children away from the guns, we, would have had, we would, wouldn't have such a tragedy. Yeah, it must have been the guns. It couldn't have been because half our children are being raised in broken homes. It couldn't have been because our children get to spend an average of 30 seconds in meaningful conversation with their parents each day. After all, we give them give our children quality time. It couldn't have been because we treat our children as pets and our pets as children. It couldn't have been because we place our children in daycare centers where they learn their socialization skills among their peers under the law of the jungle while the employees, who have no vested interest in the children, look on and make sure that no blood is spilled. It couldn't have been because we allow our children to watch on the average seven hours of television a day filled with a glorification of sex and violence that isn't fit for adult consumption. It couldn't have been because we allow our children to enter into virtual worlds in which to win the game, one must kill as many opponents as possible in the most sadistic ways possible. It couldn't have been because the children we have, we have are so spoiled with material things that they come to equate the receiving of material with love. It couldn't have been because our children who historically have been seen as a blessing from God are now being viewed as either a mistake created with when conception fails or contraceptions fail or inconvenience that parents try to raise in their spare time. It couldn't have been because we give two-year sentences prison sentences to teenagers who kill their newborns. It couldn't have been because our school system teaches the children that they're nothing but glorified apes who have evolved out of some primordial soup of mud by teaching evolution as fact and by handing out condoms as if they were candy. It couldn't have been because we teach our children that there is no laws of morality that transcends us, that everything is relative, and that actions don't have consequences. After all, the president can get away with it. Nah, it must have been the guns. You signed Paul Harvey. There's a lot of truth in that. I thought as I read that, I thought why the Bible in so many places says... Do not be deceived. Be not deceived. We find that in many different places in the Bible because it's very easy for us to blame 
everything on someone or something else instead of putting the blame right where it belongs. It's easy to look and say, you should have done this when we're not doing it ourselves. It's time that we admit that we are in a mess in our country and we all share the blame for the moral slide that we're on. Whether you're talking about crime, abortion, homosexuality, racism, greed, materialism, sex, whatever it may be, we all share the responsibility for what is wrong and we must all share the responsibility to make it right. We cannot blame God. We cannot blame the government for the conditions of our nations if we're not willing to share the blame ourselves. We see what Achan did. He saw it. He coveted. He took it. He hid it. How many of us are guilty of the same thing? We want it. We take it. And then we feel guilty. But there was two parts to that sin. Israel had three, three things that we're going to talk about with them. They had pride, they had presumption, and they had prayerlessness. Let's look at those this morning. First of all, look at what they did. They had pride. Verse 3, they saw the city, they saw it as a little city, and we don't need our vast army. We're strong, we're powerful, we can take it. We don't need everybody, so let's just take a few people up there and take that city. We could do it with no challenge at all. After all, look at what we did over in Jericho. We destroyed that city. We took their spoils, and now they don't exist. I wonder if they forgot that Jericho was God's victory. Back up into chapter 6, look at verse 2. And what does it say there? It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Who delivered Jericho? Was it Joshua and his men? Or was it God that did it? And brethren, that's the problem that we have sometimes. We start to accomplish things and we think that we've done it and we forget about what God did to involve Himself in our lives. And we don't look to Him for strength. We don't look to Him for encouragement. And so we have the temptation, just like they did, to be filled with pride and to say, look what I've done. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, or the 10th chapter in verse 12, let, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Brother, don't ever think that you're so strong that you don't need God's help in dealing with Satan. It's very easy to think that we've accomplished something all by ourselves. But we're not, we're not Christians and we're not faithful Christians without God's help. We need God. And don't ever think that you can't fall. Don't ever say that the devil's not going to get me because we need God's help and we're no challenge for the devil. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You want to fall? Then fill your life with pride and have that haughty spirit. Don't you know 
that our country has been lifted up with pride many times. Look what we've done. I think that on 9-11 we saw how vulnerable we really are. And that if God says you're not going to exist anymore, God can wipe us out in a moment. I don't care how big our army is. I don't care who's in power. When God says you're done, you're done. I wonder how many people inside the walls of Jericho were thinking, we don't have to worry about these guys. But they needed to worry about God. Brother, we need to concern ourselves with God too. We need God. Don't be so prideful to think that you don't. Because we do. But we also see a second saying, they assumed that God was with them. There is no power of Satan too great for us to overcome when God is with us. But we're no match for Satan when we are alone. In chapter 7, it appears that the children of Israel along with Joshua just assumed that God was going to be with them. And they found out the hard way that He wasn't. We should never presume that since God's blessed us today that we just are automatically going to always have them day after day. We need Christ. We need God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul realized all the things that he accomplished was with the help of Christ. He needed Christ in his life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31 what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You hear people say, God's on my side. I know God's on my side. We need to be more concerned about being on God's side. Because a lot of times we make that statement that God's on our side when we know that we're not doing what the Bible teaches. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. And if we're not, then God's not with us. He will not be with us if we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Jericho fell not because of the power of Joshua and his men. Jericho fell because of God. You think about what they did. Marched around a city, shouted, the walls fall down flat. Did that make any sense? That was God's victory. And it's not the Jerichos that defeat most Christians. It's the little Ai's. And I'm reminded of someone that had gone to a foreign country and they were asked when they got back, what bothers you? The lions, tigers, the hippos, elephants, what was it? And they said, no, it was those little bugs. Those little insects. Little things are usually the things that we stumble over. Big challenges we can overcome. We work at it. We see it. Sometimes it's those little things that get us every day. Those are the things we need to be watching for. 1971, boxing champ Muhammad Ali, probably one of the greatest boxers ever, was preparing to fight Joe Frazier. He said, There's not a man alive that can whip me. I'm too smart. I'm too pretty. I'm the greatest. I'm the king. I ought to be on a postage stamp. That's the only way I'll ever be licked. 
The next night he went into the ring against Joe Frazier, and guess what happened? He got beat. You see, there's a difference in confidence and presumption. When we're doing what God tells us to do, we can be confident in what He what 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 the outcome will be. We can be confident in what He's promised. But don't ever just assume that He's always going to be with us no matter how we live or no matter what we do. Don't assume that He's going to keep blessing us. Israel shared collectively in the guilt of Achan's sin because of their pride and their presumption. But they also had a problem because of their prayerlessness. If you notice in chapter 7, before they went and spied out that city, and even after they spied out the city and decided to go and try to take the city, Joshua didn't pray about AI. He didn't talk to God about what do we need to do in this situation. Because as soon as he did get around to talking to God, God showed him what was wrong. And if he had prayed before, God would have showed him the sin before they would have gone out and been defeated. We do exactly the same thing. We wait until we make a mess of things and then we get to pray. It's almost like we use God as our insurance policy. Something's wrong now, Lord. We need help. I don't know about you, but I don't call my insurance agent unless there's a problem. That's the way we are with God sometimes. We don't need Him unless there's a major problem in our life, and then we start talking. And brethren, we need to have a communication line open with God before the problem arises. Don't wait until you have a problem to talk to God. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, pray without ceasing. In other words, pray all the time. Talk to God. Have that line of communication open. But it goes on, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Why is it so important that when we talk to God, that we pray and, and, and be thankful in that prayer? Why is thanksgiving so important? Because it helps us to remember the blessings that we have from God. It helps us to realize that we are dependent upon Him and we need His help. It helps us to realize that it isn't me that accomplished all of this. It's God with me accomplishing all of those things. And so we see pride and we see presumption and we see the prayerlessness or the prayerlessness of the children of Israel. And so I think that we can see some comparisons between them and our nation today. You see, America has been great because America has been good. South America was settled by people in search of gold. North America was settled by people in search of freedom to worship. If America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. And whether you like it or not, we are facing a war with Satan. You might remember the Cold War. A lot of us when we were younger, we remember the Cold War that we had with Russia. 
We can't battle a cold war and be lukewarm. We've got to be on fire for the cause of Christ. That means that we go out in the world and when we go to work and we go to the places that we go to and we live our lives every day, people need to be able to see that there's a light in us and that we are the salt of the earth. And that hopefully they will look at you and look at your life and look at your example and the words that you say and realize there's something different about you and they'll inquire about why do you have such hope? Why do you have joy? <laughs> Why is it that you, nothing seems to bother you like it does everybody else? And that will give you an opportunity to share the Gospel of Christ with someone else. Whatever our strategy has been, it hasn't been good enough. It could be that with our advanced educations and our nice church buildings, that we're doing less to win people to Christ than our forefathers. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We're going to reap what we sow. And I'm afraid that that's what's happening in our country today, that we're seeing the the seeds that we have sown or allowed to be sown starting to produce. I don't know if you've heard on the news about people receiving packages of seeds from China. The government says don't plant those seeds. Don't know what's on them. Don't know what's in them. Don't know much about it. There's like over thousands of people that have received packages unsolicited in the mail. Don't plant those seeds. That really should be the message of some of the immorality and the things that are taking place in our world today. Don't plant those seeds because you don't know what you're going to harvest. We need to be on guard. We need to be out fighting this battle. We need to put on the whole armor of God because we need to be what God wants us to be. And that's the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Are you? If you're not a Christian, Jesus died so that you could have the forgiveness of sins so that you could have a home in heaven with Him in the hereafter. Not only that, in the blessings of this life, we can call God our Father and we have a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. What a great joy it is to know that we can have the peace that passeth all understanding, that it's available to all of God's creatures, all of our all people. But we have to submit to His will. And He tells us, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can do that this morning. Put your trust and faith in Him. Realizing that He died for your sins, that He was buried, and that He rose victorious over the grave on the third day. And you can be buried with our Lord in baptism and have your sins washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian and you have not lived as you should, then I would encourage you to make your make your relationship right with God. If you have a problem with someone, take care of that problem with them. If you have a problem with three or four people, then take care of the problem with those three or four people. 
But if there's something in a public way that you need our prayers, we're here to help you and serve you in any way that we can. And so this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.